Welcome to the series Calls a Conversation, where we want to challenge you to think about life related to faith beyond the normal boundaries of right and wrong. Each episode features a different topic and guest, but our goal of exploring the in-between remains the same. By offering these different perspectives, we encourage you to draw your own conclusions. We hope that you leave today with more questions than answers. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome to the eighth episode of A Conversation, and today's episode is with Mrs. Martin, our lovely secretary at PA. Hello. Hello, hello. Um, today's conversation is going to be surrounding kind of her experiences with faith and the process of which we call kind of unlearning the things that we are taught and what it means to be vulnerable and really wrestle through those things. Mm-hmm. So would you like to kind of share with us your background or where you came from? Absolutely, I can do that. I've shared a few times, and anybody who's come up to my window who is there for more than just a, a late blue slip, um, I've shared a little bit. So I was born into a Christian family. I had been in Christian school since I failed grade three. So the second time I did grade three, all the way through um, my high school career, which was at Pacific Academy. I came to PA in grade eight, graduated from PA in 1997, and then I went on to university, so at Trinity Western. And so I had been in the Christian bubble from day one up until I was halfway through my university career and started working in the real world. Yeah. So what was that transition out of the Christian bubble like for you? It's, you know what, I I think about it a lot. Um, Last, was it this year? Last year we did the Spectrum Chapel and there was one question about being in the Christian bubble. And I, when I was at PA, I loved being in the Christian bubble. It was the structure that I needed. It was the comfort that I needed. I was quite immature. And I was quite insecure and I wasn't willing to look at the deeper issues at that time without somebody navigating me. So I was definitely a follower for big ideas. So, so my whole theology, I loved listening to pastors. I was a Christian, but it was more the life that I wanted to live was following along with all my PA, um, Fellow PA. <laughs> so how would you describe your relationship with God then back then in high school and university? Well, when I started in university, I went straight from being in youth group to becoming a youth leader because I wasn't ready to give up that, that safe space for myself. Um, It took me until I was in second year university to actually become an actual leader. (laughs) Um, But it was, I love my relationship with God, but I always felt like my anxiety held me back. And I didn't necessarily know that it was my anxiety that it was. I always thought that I wasn't good enough because people must have been, everybody else who said that they'd heard from God or, or was showing up as 
a wonderful Christian in school or at church, I thought I was missing something. And I didn't realize what that was, but I love to worship. I did read the Bible. I went to all Bible studies that I could, and I still felt like something was missing, but that's, that was my insecurities and my not willing to be vulnerable and, and take it in. Hmm. So it, it actually was superficial, but because I wasn't ready to go deeper, but I didn't know that I wasn't ready to go deeper at that time. So that took a level of maturity and a lot of failure at, at <laughs> really failure in life and making bad decisions for me to go, Oh, this is what they mean by grace or forgiveness. And because until I started messing up in life, um, I didn't understand what grace really was. Would you like to share some examples of when you realized what grace was to you? I, so while I was in school, I said I was a follower. I really, I feel like I could have checked off all the boxes of what a PA student is supposed to be other than being a good student because I was a good C plus student. <laughs> um, and, but um, but I, I, I feel like if you looked at what a good Christian girl should be, I checked off all those boxes and yet I didn't feel like the relationship was there. But to the surface, I looked, I looked like a really, really good Christian and that's what I wanted to be. That's exactly what I wanted to be. And as I got older, I started working um, in finance and my eyes were opened to the real world and how people really act and how people see Christians and how we go through loss in life or we go through a bad relationship and a breakup and that heartache and that just yeah it brings perspective mm-hmm. and it, I, I honestly felt, thought that I had never sinned until I was like age 20. I didn't understand it and so perfect human checked off all the boxes. I, I honestly thought that and like, but at the same time I was, I'm missing something mm. because I didn't have that depth. Mm. So I made, when I was getting closer to the age of 30, I started questioning. Um, I wanted to be a better person and I wanted, I was being a lot more introspective and I started questioning the Christian lifestyle, the way that I thought that Christians were supposed to live. So and I hear this like difference here. You question the lifestyle, but never God. Exactly. Mm, My relationship with God was, yeah, <laughs> like that never changed. Um, you know, my, my belief never changed, but it was, what am I supposed to look like in the outside world? Because who I was at PA or that person who I was at Trinity, that person who I was projecting, that did not fit. And it didn't even line up to who I was in real life. Because of all the check marks that I thought that I still had to have, I actually just started ripping up what that was and what that looked like. And at the church that I was at, people had put me on a pedestal because on the outside, I looked like I checked all the boxes. And I trying to take myself down off of that pedestal saying what I didn't put myself up here. 
I, I'm allowed to fail. I'm allowed to have heartache. I'm allowed to be, and I started being aggressively vulnerable because I needed to be, but my audience was not respecting it and not taking it. But I was aggressively vulnerable because they still wanted me to be that person on the pedestal that they had put there checking all those boxes because they wanted me to be the example for other people. I hear a lot of feeling of shame from when you're in the Christian bubble and I feel like that's definitely a huge issue with many places of faith today. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that you were able to let the things of the world come in with quotation marks yeah but still not drift from god is almost an idea that could be very strange or radical for some people well so growing up um i was in the purity culture i was unpack that a little bit more a little bit. So, so i don't know where the ideas came from, if it was youth service, if it was part of my parents, I don't know. I remember it just being a church and very much a school thing that I was not a sexual being and that I was not allowed to be sexual. We had to cover up. We had to, as a, as a woman, and I developed quite early um, physically, that I was supposed to be ashamed of my body and I was shamed a lot and told to cover up. And I wasn't dressing immodestly. I was just wearing a regular t-shirt that everybody else was wearing, but I was shamed because my body was more sexual than other people my age. Um, at church, I was leading worship one day and the worship pastor came over to me and said, oh, Kristen, can you just, and I was worshiping and swaying back and forth. And he came over to me and he's like, so I have a problem um with with what's going on because your movements are very sexual and you're going to cause men to sin and i was younger and i, I mean not as vocal as i would be nowadays if somebody were to say that because i would have different more colorful <laughs> uh, more colorful response if somebody were to say that now but Back then, I kind of took it and questioned it and went, well, I don't, I don't want to cause people to sin. I don't want to cause men to stumble. Um, but really, I'm just worshiping God. I wasn't doing anything different than anybody else. But my body was different. My body looked like a sexual thing. And I wasn't allowed to embrace that. So when I got into my early 30s, that's actually what I started embracing for myself. Like, this actually is the body that God gave me. Amen. God and McDonald's. Um, but <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> um, but uh, this is the body that God gave me. And I didn't try to dress immodestly at first. <laughs> um, but it became a slippery slope. And I know that I had people watching out for me and they were told, don't let Kristen slide down. Don't let her slide down this. What do you mean by slide down? So it felt like, and, and this isn't just me projecting, this is in conversations with my sister and other mm -hmm. people around that um, because of 
that I am a talker because uh, people always thought that I would fall into sin or that I would, yeah, I, you take, if I would take an inch, I would actually just jump right off the deep end or something. So my sister was there so I could have one drink and my sister would be like, okay, that's enough. Or, uh, and I had other people watching out for me too, who were trying to stifle me, but that's not necessarily a Christian thing. That's not, uh, you're going to, you're going to sin. That was just people who were so concerned that I wasn't necessarily check, checking the boxes anymore. Does that but make that's sense? such a toxic manner. Exactly. For a story that you shared where you said that you went to church a lot, like multiple times a week when you were younger. And if you ever missed oh, yes. the service, did you want to? Uh, I'll, I'll tell the story. So I was, um, okay, so Monday night I was doing school. I was working full time. Monday night I did school. Tuesday night I did school. Um, Wednesday night I had choir practices. Thursday I, I led worship at young adults. Friday I was still a youth leader. Saturday was always busy in the mornings with trying to catch up with schoolwork because I was still trying to complete my degree. Saturday nights were um, either my family, we'd go see a movie with my sister or I'd go hang out with other youth leaders because that was really our friendship group. And then Sundays, I either led worship in the morning or I was singing in worship at night. One Sunday morning, after I'd been out all night, Saturday night with youth kids or with a, a youth leader group, I was gonna sleep in on Sunday morning and my mother came to me saying, why aren't you going to church? And I said, well, I'm going to lead worship tonight. And so I'm going to sleep in now. I've already been at church all week. And she says, but people are going to question why you're not there. And I said, but it's none of their business why I'm not there. And if people question why I'm not there on a Sunday morning, you can tell them I was at a youth event Sunday night. I was at a youth event Friday. I was at a young adult on Thursday. There, you don't need to justify why I'm not there on a Sunday morning because I'm not at church on a Sunday morning. Does that change my faith and my relationship with God? No, it was all about perception. And so I was really upset with my mom for that comment. And it took her a few minutes to go, oh, why am I concerned with what people think? Mm -hmm it really shouldn't matter because my kid is involved and her relationship with God is, you know, pretty good. And if you asked me about it, I would talk to you, but that wasn't the topic of conversation. It was, why isn't Chris, Kristen here? She must be off doing something. Mm -hmm. This I think is a really perfect example of just the subtle ways that there's such, there can be a very judgmental and shameful culture in the church you know interesting i i remember having to be careful about who i chose as friends because the older christians in my church would say oh you're friends with them and then that to them would mean that of course that meant that i was drinking on a friday night and out at this party doing something where in actuality i was friends with them but i was still at youth group and i was the youth leader so i the shaming of the act 
groups of my friends and who even told them what they were doing at the time in the Christian bubble or um, their gossip is so mm, prevalent yeah. and so somebody I don't know what had happened was telling these parents or older Christians um, stories about these young adults and so I would feel judged that I was friends with them and they were looping me into the behavior of some people that's something that um I tell my kids now um 15 and 17 years old I what well, I tell them you know from a mom I say you know be careful who your friends are because they can influence your behavior and and such which is very true but your friends actions don't reflect you yeah and and as an adult, you know, I'm friends with my neighbors and their actions I would never want to be associated with, but I can still be friends with them. Mm -hmm. um, but in the church, it seemed like growing up that you couldn't be friends with somebody who may or may not be acting the way the church would want them to. And um, isn't that ironic? Jesus was friends with all the sinners and that's what he was shamed for by the Pharisees exactly i was listening to something that village had put out a while ago and i i still haven't i don't know why i haven't verified that this is true or not but it was in one of the freedom sessions that they had asked us to kind of shed our non-christian friends because we should be surrounding ourselves with christians who build each other up now yes i agree with that but I, I don't agree with the shedding of the non-Christian friends because where you would find Jesus was yes with his disciples, but with non-Christians. You know, we, we joke in the Christian community, we wouldn't find Jesus in a church. We would find him on the downtown east side ministering to people. So why are we as Christians expected to live, continue to live in our bubble of fellow Christians to keep sharpening each other um, and try to better each other when that's not that's not our role our role is to go out into the world and mm -hmm. be the light there yeah and um but when when I did go out into the world and I was working I wasn't even though I checked up all the boxes I wasn't necessarily being a light because I was so into having my boxes checked and people didn't fit into that and I didn't know how to relate to those who didn't also check most of the boxes. I think that's the biggest detriment is that um, as a young Christian I wasn't taught how to actually relate to those in the outside world. Which is so how, important. How are we supposed to be a light to others if we're not and this is my biggest thing vulnerable um, enough to understand our weaknesses and where we kind of are in relationship with God and be truthful to you know what I'm not in a great space my relationship with God totally sucks right now and it's all me because I'm hiding from him or I'm I'm something 
to be able to share that with people, to be vulnerable enough to understand your faith journey, mm -hmm. then you can share with other people who might not have even started their faith journey. And to add on to that, it's not just like, how can we be a light if we don't know how to relate to them? It's also, how can we love them? Right? Which is the second greatest commandment. Exactly. But how can you love them if you don't know them? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing was for me in increasing my vulnerability was getting to open up conversations about who I am and and in increasing conversations with who I am was in what I believe. So I loved the I, I want to back up here. I loved bubble that I was raised in because it was my safety net and it gave me such a great foundation that then I could tear out of the bubble and tear down my own box and figure out why I believed what I did because in figuring that out it helped me to actually relate to other people because they're trying to figure out life themselves. So it's this process of unlearning everything, of dumping everything out and picking up the pieces again. Well, if you can, if you can unlearn what you learned growing up, taking it apart bit by bit, going, do I really believe this part, mm -hmm. this little part, and does it impact my life and my relationship and how I relate to others, my relationship with God and how I relate to others, then yeah, like keep that little part, but know why it's there. Yeah. Like I see this gap between the church and the Christ, like a truly godly life. There's a very big gap as even demonstrated in some of the values that the church holds up compared mm. to people in the Bible. How do we navigate that gap you think? You have to take what it, okay, so uh, this is from my learning. What did I learn at PA about what makes a Christian woman? Mm -hmm. What makes the, your ideal Christian woman? I know we talked uh, months ago about doing a little luncheon or something and having people come in. And I was, I had this idea of putting up different pictures of women from all over the world in all different walks of life, different jobs, different you know, everything and saying, which one of these do you think is a Christian? And the thing is, you would never know by looking at them, this picture, or somebody walking across the street, you would never know that they were Christian. And who's to say that that woman that you saw at the checkout counter at Save on Foods last Thursday when you were there isn't actually like probably the most wonderful Christian woman that you could ever meet. Mm-hmm. The idea of what this Christian woman looks like, I think, is such a North American, um, like, white woman, still stay-at-home mom, and goes to church every Sunday, volunteers in the Sunday school, and, and doesn't gossip, even though she, all of her friends do. I, it's such a, I, I realized early in my early 20s that I was never going to be that perfect Christian woman. 
because things in my life weren't lining up for that. I was flunking out of university. Um, I had a full-time job to pay the bills and I was getting ready to move closer to downtown. And the people that I had in my life at my work were so far from decent Christian examples. And they influenced influence me very heavily. And I have said before, I don't know how my integrity slipped down so low in working with those people, but it did. And it took me a while to build that back up. Mm -hmm. but, but in that, I'm not saying I'm a good Christian example at all. I don't try to say I'm an example I'm an example of what not to do. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Me. You mean your history or like my this? History, like, I feel like I did take the inch and run a mile. When I was working downtown Vancouver, I was working as a fraud investigator and a compliance manager. And I at first loved what I was doing. And I was working with people who were very, worldly and in finance there were people who really did prize money over everything and that was a culture that really was shame and bullying and if you didn't fit in if you didn't take that shot of tequila at your desk at nine o'clock on a tuesday morning if you didn't you know go out and have a one night stand you were shamed for it I didn't do that but I did have the tequila but it was such a toxic environment and I didn't know how to get out of that by myself I was in an unhealthy relationship for three and a half years on and off again relationship and I had been drinking too much and it was so encouraged by my colleagues it was just this phase of life that I was in and it was such a negative bubble that we were in in our department and I didn't know how to get out of that myself and I had started um, I started trying to question how am I getting out of this place because I need this job I need the money I can't just quit and I um, got into a car accident actually and it forced me to take time off of work. It forced me to stay in bed. It forced me to reevaluate. And as soon as I was able to go back to work, I'd already found another job. Oh, wow. It was in that time. And it was working for a Christian financial place. And I, I said to them, I just need to breathe. And I need to work somewhere where people have integrity because I compromise my integrity and I am so ashamed. I said this in the work interview, who does that? <laughs> but I, I was so ashamed of myself and knew that I needed to build myself back up again. Um, and that's what I started doing. So I changed my trajectory of my work life. I was, uh, branch manager mutual funds. I was going to take over and, and be in uh, the manager of money laundering. And I totally changed my avenue. 
trying to find somewhere that I would fit, that would fit my personality and meet my bills. And I found that at PA. It's not where I ever thought I would be, but it, I found that at PA. Back oh. 20, 22 years later, I find myself back there. And that wraps up our episode for today. Uh, if you want to hear the rest of our conversation, make sure to check out next week's episode where Mrs. Martin will finish her story and add some advice that she has uh, gained and learned from over the years. Um, I hope that something in this conversation is making you critically think about how you perceive what a Christian lifestyle should look like. And I hope to see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.